What is up? Welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. My name is Kate, registered dietitian and emotional eating coach. Each episode, I will bring you a motivational message or an inspiring guest to help you make informed nutrition decisions that fuel your life, not restrict it. Whether you are new to the podcast or an OG listener, thanks for spending this time with me today. Now, let's get into it. What's up, you guys? Welcome to today's episode. This one is for the women who struggle with weight or appetite regulation because of her polycystic ovary syndrome, which from here on out, I'll just refer to as PCOS. If you are new to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, welcome. My name's Kate, and I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist here in Orlando. I work in private practice. I help women design sustainable and personalized eating plans to help them reach their goals, which in many cases is related to weight loss or physique transformation. This episode has been a long time coming because a chunk of my clientele struggles with PCOS. Now, if you're unfamiliar, PCOS is often associated with weight gain, and or difficulty losing weight. There are other symptoms related to PCOS too, such as irregular periods, hirsutism, which is male pattern hair growth, acne, and darkening of the skin. Now I wanted to share some of the general recommendations I make to the women I work with who have PCOS. However, I wanna make something crystal clear. Everyone is different, and not one way of eating works for everybody. There are a lot of specific and personalized recommendations provided within my individual coaching here at Nutrition Awareness, as some women have longer and more complex journeys ahead of them, while other ones just need a few tweaks to their diet. So how do I decide which route to take with my clients? At our initial 60-minute consultation, I ask so many questions so I can get the backstory. Like, I want to know everything when it comes to her lifestyle, her medical and diet history, her eating or exercise habits, weight loss attempts and successes, food preferences, you name it. Tell me the good, the bad, the ugly. I want to know everything. And from there, we work together to put together a plan that integrates many of the strategies I'm going to share with you today, as well as her individual needs. Now, this is what makes her plan sustainable, enjoyable, and therefore effective. I would say 90% of my clients have tried either yo-yo diet tactics before only to stay the same or regain any weight after it's lost. It's because these diets are overly restricted or they don't cater to her lifestyle, meaning they give recommendations that only would work for a select population and don't quite fit in the way of life of a specific person. Now, I have been through plenty of the bullshit diets before, so I get how annoying and disheartening it is. And that's why I require that investment of 60 minutes together. I know it's a big chunk of time, but if you're serious about getting results, you got to go through it. And it's really fun. I promise it's fun because I want to hear the whole story. I want you to finally have a voice because this is how I make sure you can feel and see change when we change your diet and we change your lifestyle. So if you're hearing this and you're like, yes, Kate, I love it. I am sick of general nutrition plans for PCOS and I need individual coaching. I want to help you get control of your PCOS so you can lose weight the right way. Simply go to www.orlandodietitian.com backslash coaching and book a consult with me. I'll sit with you either virtually on your computer or in person to help you jumpstart your journey and cater to your follow-up needs. Again, I'll link that in the show notes, but it's www.orlandodietitian.com backslash coaching. I cannot wait to work with you. 
All right, let's get into today's episode about PCOS and gut health. I really feel like this topic is not being talked enough, and that is the close relationship between your diet, your gut health, and your hormones. Yeah, I said your hormones. There is such a relationship between the state of your gut and your hormone balance. And what is one of the major impacts that affects the state of our gut? What we're putting into it, our diet. Now, you know from listening to me before, I have such a passion for helping women who struggle from the frustrating side effects of hormone imbalances. This includes weight gain or loss, digestive issues, fatigue, hair loss or unwanted hair growth, and irregular periods. And I wanna help them by fixing their diet. But today, we're just focusing on PCOS. Lots of hormone imbalances can be related to food, so if you are struggling with your thyroid, or maybe your cortisol levels, shoot me an email at kate at orlandodietitian.com and we will get you squared away. Let's start by exploring what does it mean to have a healthy gut? All right, so your gut or your gut microbiome refers to your entire digestive tract, which is naturally full of bacteria, microbes, fungi. Yeah, so if you are hearing that and you're like, gross, that is disgusting, I get it, but don't be grossed out. This teeny tiny world known as your gut microbiome actually helps your body by boosting your immunity, aiding in nutrient utilization and metabolism, strengthening the intestinal walls within your digestive tract, which works to prevent harmful bacteria from taking over. The trouble starts once this bad or harmful bacteria begins to outnumber the good or helpful bacteria in your gut microbiome. That's important to know. So there's this thing called the dogma theory. That's short for dysbiosis of gut microbiota, which suggests that an imbalance in your natural gut flora is the root cause of inflammation. So what it's saying is when there's bad bacteria outnumbering the good bacteria, that is the root cause of inflammation. This inflammation can lead to an unnatural increase of testosterone and insulin resistance. So how is this related to PCOS? From a biochemical standpoint, BCOS is characterized as a chronic state of inflammation. PCOS is often accompanied by elevated testosterone, excess androgens, which are male hormones, increased insulin resistance, and the greater likelihood of developing type 2 diabetes. Women with PCOS also have an increased risk of obesity and irritable bowel syndrome, IBS, which are both linked to increased permeability of the intestinal lining, commonly referred to as leaky gut syndrome. So is that a lot of science on you? Did I just dump a lot of knowledge on you? If you're feeling overwhelmed, here's the main takeaway point. An unhealthy gut is strongly linked to a hormonal imbalance and undesirable symptoms for women who have PCOS. This is why we have to get to the root cause of hormonal imbalances and poor gut health when treating PCOS. One of the root causes being, you guessed it, your diet. I'm going to share with you five nutrition tips for healing PCOS. The first one being to diversify your gut flora. So we already know that your digestive tract contains tons of different microorganisms and bacteria, but we want to have a big variety. We want to have lots of different kinds of healthy bugs and lots of different kinds of healthy bacteria because that leads to a happy, less inflamed gut. You should think of your gut as the melting pot, the New York City of your body. You want lots of different variety. Now, to diversify your gut microbiome, you need to eat a diverse amount of foods. You need to eat a wide range of foods with lots of fiber, probiotics, and prebiotics. I'll say that again. Fiber, probiotics, prebiotics. And I'm talking whole food sources, okay? I'm not going to get into supplements on this episode. I'm talking real food. 
So whole food sources of fiber include lots of leafy greens, kale, spinach, Swiss chard, non-starchy vegetables, starchy vegetables including sweet potato, corn, peas, whole grains, steel-cut oats, berries, fruit, nuts, all that good stuff. So you really want to have a diverse amount of these foods in your diet. In fact, I think the recommendation I heard was 30 different types of plant foods or fiber-containing foods in your diet. Now, does this mean you need to eat 30 different plants a day? No, it just means these foods need to regularly make an appearance in your gut. So these can be vegetables, that can be fruit, basically any kind of plant source food that you like. Try to mix up what you're eating and don't eat the same things every single day, 365 days a year. Now the term probiotic is defined as a microorganism that maintains or improves beneficial bacteria in your gut when consumed. And prebiotics are the food for the probiotics that help populate and flourish them. So we know the prebiotics feed the probiotics. Now probiotics and prebiotics from food have been shown to play an important role in our immunity, which is our ability to fight off disease, and balancing the microbiota. In fact, research proved rats treated with probiotic strains of lactobacillus had reduced levels of androgens as well as improved ovarian function. Now, probiotics found in food are commonly referred to as live active cultures. You'll see that on the food label. You'll see that in foods such as uh, fermented vegetables, unsweetened yogurts, Greek yogurts especially, kimchi or kimchi probiotic shots, kefir, kombucha, gut shots, and uncooked sauerkraut. Enhance the effectiveness of your probiotics in food, those live active cultures, by eating foods that are high in prebiotics. Prebiotics are found in raw onion, garlic, asparagus, dandelion greens, artichokes, and legumes. Quick note about probiotics and supplements. Probiotics can be taken in supplement form. In fact, I really used to recommend certain strains and strain combinations to help relieve certain symptoms. However, more and more research is emerging about probiotics' effect on our gut health, and really, none of it is striking. In fact, the one thing we keep seeing over and over again to really help with your gut health is a high-fiber diet full of a diverse amount of different plant-based foods. So for this episode, for the sake of simplicity, I'm gonna say I don't really recommend a probiotic. I don't recommend a specific probiotic. I would say try to get them from food, eat a diverse diet full of lots of different plants and prebiotics, and try some of the other strategies before you resort to a supplement food. Another quick little tip here about improving the good bacteria in your digestive tract and to improve insulin resistance, which we'll get into next, is to eat resistant starches. Resistant starches are starches that are really hard for our body to break down, so they provide a lot of fiber. You would cook, cool, and then reheat certain foods such as potatoes, sweet potatoes, yams, and rice to get a good source of resistant starch. So if you meal prep a bunch of potatoes, you cool them, and you eat them the next day, you're going to get some more benefits than if you were to eat that potato straight out of the oven. Green bananas and plantains are also great sources of resistant starch. The second tip I wanna share with you guys is to reverse or reduce insulin resistance. Insulin, it's a hormone that's released from our pancreas into our blood when we ingest glucose in the form of carbohydrates. So yeah, mouthful, right? A high carb meal essentially means a high intake of glucose and therefore insulin released. In healthy individual or somebody who doesn't have PCOS or insulin resistance, this is a great thing because the insulin then shuttles that glucose into our cells to be used for energy. 
awesome possum. However, when our body is insulin resistant, our cells don't use all that glucose, so it ends up being stored as body fat, which is not so awesome possum. You guys know I love to draw parallels between dating and dieting, so I'm going to share one. This one's totally weird, but it just came to me. I cannot share it. Let's say your cell is your (laughs) ex-boyfriend. Okay, not your ex-boyfriend, because I don't want to paint you to be a crazy one. But he's an ex-boyfriend, and he put a restraining order against his ex-girlfriend, aka insulin. So cell's the ex-boyfriend, insulin's the ex-girlfriend. She's got all this glucose to give him, all this love, all these love letters, stalker things, and she keeps trying to knock on his door, but he is insulin resistant. He put a restraining order against his ex-girlfriend insulin, and she can't get in, so she's just left hanging out in the streets, aka your bloodstream, and it's just not a good thing. Was that a crazy parallel? You guys know I love these weird analogies. If you think I'm weird, you don't have to tell me, I already know, but if, if that made sense, if that painted the picture for you, let me know. Let me know on Instagram that you love that because I love the dating and dieting parallels. All right, let's get back on topic here. Simply putting how to explain insulin. Reversing insulin resistance will require eating less simple carbohydrates or things that cause an, a high output of insulin. Now, techniques for Reducing this insulin is going to include consuming smaller portions of carbohydrates, eating less frequent meals, maybe intermittent fasting, just for 12 to 14 hours. Now your first meal of the day should be something that's primarily lean protein, healthy fats, and fiber in the form of non-starchy vegetables or resistant starch. Remember the things I talked about in the first tip? Try not to snack on foods like crackers, chips, cookies, chocolate, or popcorn, especially by themselves without any buffer of protein or healthy fat, because this causes a high insulin secretion. Think about it. That's a lot of glucose dumped on your bloodstream at once, so that's going to be a lot of insulin released at once. And that's how, over time, insulin resistance builds up, when it's constantly being overwhelmed with glucose and it's putting out way more insulin than your body can handle. If you're craving fruit or something else that's high in carbohydrates, you should eat the healthy sources, those good plant sources that are high in fiber. Ideally, you'll want to pair it with a healthy fat like nuts, peanut butter, or string cheese to slow down that glucose or sugar absorption into your blood. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Not sure if you have insulin resistance. The best way to know is to get your labs drawn. Now, there's a difference between getting your insulin measured versus getting your blood glucose or hemoglobin A1C measured. They're different. Typically, MDs aren't going to test your insulin in the standard protocol, so you might have to ask. It ain't no thing. It's no big deal. You don't have to do any other kind of blood testing. It just gets tested in your normal blood draw. Insulin resistance also manifests in physical outward symptoms. You may notice that you're feeling really, really thirsty or really hungry. Even after a satiating meal, you might feel really, really hungry. That's a common effect of insulin resistance. You might notice that you have to use the restroom a lot, that you're frequently urinating, that you have tingling sensations in your hands or your feet. You might feel a really 
strong sense of fatigue. Perhaps you have cuts or infections that just seem to take forever to heal because the blood flow is not getting to that site efficiently and therefore it can't help heal that skin tear or infection. A lot of people with insulin resistance also notice dark patches on their skin. However, these are symptoms of a lot of different things. Don't jump to conclusions and just assume that if I listed one or two things you've experienced in your life that you have insulin resistance. The best way to do it is to get it tested. However, still take this nutrition tip to heart even if you don't have insulin resistance or don't believe you do. Because we know how you develop insulin resistance is constantly dumping a large amount of carbohydrates that you're not using for energy on your body over and over and over again. Over time, that's where that insulin resistance develops. This is the same thing that happens with people that have type 2 diabetes. This is why women that have PCOS often have to manage their type 2 diabetes as well. So if you're not an extreme athlete, if you're not very active, if you're not exercising throughout the day, you're not hiking, you're not going to Orange Theory classes frequently, really monitor your carbohydrate intake and see if it's appropriate for you. Again, if you have questions about your specific carbohydrate intake, that's my bread and butter. So I'm happy to help you out with that. Just shoot me an email or book a consult. Tip numero tres. Eat more anti-inflammatory foods. Makes sense, right? Especially because PCOS is related to a state of chronic inflammation. An anti-inflammatory diet is gonna be rich in something called omega-3 fatty acids. Omega-3s are found in fatty fish, which include wild-caught salmon, tuna, sardines, halibut, anchovies, if you're into that. They're also found in plant foods, such as walnuts, ground flaxseed, and chia seeds. And here's my favorite word, the F word, Fiber, you thought I was gonna say something else, didn't you? No, fiber also promotes gut health and combats inflammation. So just another reason to get more veggies in. Some specific foods that are noted for their anti-inflammatory properties include blueberries, blackberries, leafy greens, unsweetened green tea, nuts and seeds, beans and lentils, avocado, olive oil, and fibrous veggies. So eat up. On the flip side, tip number four is to start limiting foods that are linked to inflammation. You're going to want to start reading food labels and checking the ingredients list. You want to watch for added sugars because high intake of both refined and artificial sugars, such as sucralose and aspartame, can wreak havoc on your intestinal health. Try to avoid the fake stuff completely and save the real sugar for special occasions, okay? Tuesday night, dinner by yourself with a bowl of cereal, a bowl of really high sugary trick cereal over your kitchen sink is not a special occasion, all right? Take care of yourself. You don't need to be eating that kind of stuff on the regular. Save real delicious sugary treats for when they're genuinely worth it. Processed and packaged foods with a lengthy list of foreign ingredients and inflammatory oils aren't going to do your gut or your waistline any favors, all right? Instead, focus on eating more whole foods. Limit options cooked in really inflammatory oils, such as vegetable oil. Those are corn oils, grapeseed oils, canola, sunflower, peanut, and soybean oils. The better oils are going to be olive oil for low temperature cooking and avocado oil or coconut oil for high temperature cooking. Alcohol, especially bottom shelf brands, can trigger inflammation as well. If you're constantly drinking, if you're having a glass or two of wine every single night because you hear it's healthy, I would say... Let's reevaluate here, okay? A glass of wine does have anti-inflammatory benefits because of something called resveratrol. It's gonna be found in deep red 
grapes. So, I mean, you could just eat deep red grapes, but if you want to have a glass of wine, I'd encourage you to really be moderate about how much you are drinking. I would limit your serving sizes to one drink, which is five ounces of wine or 12 ounces of beer or one and a half ounces of a spirit or liquor and try to do it when it's worth it, okay? Is drinking by yourself worth it? Personally, I don't think so. If you do feel like you have to turn to alcohol to relax or unwind or as a crutch to get you through your life, I would encourage you to to seek help, okay? Save alcohol for special social occasions. Choose wines with natural ingredients and don't mix spirits with really sugary mixers such as tonic water. A lot of people don't realize tonic water is full of sugar. You might as well just be having a Sprite. And really avoid those mixers. If you look at the ingredient list and the nutrition label on a margarita mixer, your jaw will drop to the ground, you guys. That's just not healthy, okay? Try to keep it as simple as possible. In fact, if you like margaritas, just a little side note here, use a really high quality tequila, mix it with soda water, use lime, and a little bit of agave, just a little bit to add some sweetness, delicious, it's amazing, it's a lot better of an option than a pre-made mixer. Now some people are going to have inflammatory responses to foods containing dairy, soy, or gluten. Before you rush to eliminate these foods from your diet because of what you heard in the media or what your cousin Susie's doing, pay attention to how you, not anybody else, how you feel after you eat something that contains either dairy, soy, or gluten. If you notice any uncomfortable digestive issues such as bloating, cramping, diarrhea, constipation, or just general discomfort, eliminate the potential offender one at a time for a minimum of 30 days. I know my co-business partner, Megan, she says 12 weeks. So if you can do 12 weeks, I think that's awesome. But a minimum of 30 days eliminating a, a certain food group one at a time and pay attention to how you feel, okay? So don't immediately take out dairy, soy, and gluten from your diet just to see if you notice any changes. You need to pick one at a time, be very meticulous, pay attention to food label ingredients, and slowly work it back in and see if you notice any changes. Again, if you need help with this, this is what dietitians do. This is our favorite thing to geek out on and talk about. So hit us up if you have any questions about how to start an elimination diet to determine whether you have an inflammatory response to any certain food group or ingredient. All right, congrats. You made it to tip number five. You made it all the way through. I'm going to discuss with you guys some of the supplements that you can take to help support PCOS. The first one being inositol. I always have trouble pronouncing that, but it starts with an I and it's pronounced inositol. (laughs) Studies have been shown that supplementing with inositol can be helpful in treating a variety of PCOS symptoms, including insulin resistance, high blood sugars, and inflammation. Now, myo-inositol in particular may also aid in weight loss due to its serum testosterone and insulin decreasing effects. So you can supplement with that as you wish. In fact, a lot of the women I work with have noticed that that could be a major game changer. Now, another supplement I like to recommend is magnesium, especially if you are struggling with irregular periods or missing periods. Magnesium is one of the most underrated minerals for hormonal health. It plays a crucial role in a variety of metabolic functions, including liver detoxification and relieving muscle soreness. That's why I recommend taking it at night because it kind of helps you relax and releases some of that tension that might be built up in your muscles. Research has also supported that magnesium supplementation can improve insulin sensitivity. Consider supplementing with about 300 to 600 milligrams of magnesium glycinate 
before bed and eating magnesium-rich foods such as almonds, spinach, and wild-caught fish. I want to go back to that. Magnesium glycinate. It's important. If you take a different form of magnesium, you may be spending a lot of hours on the toilet if you're picking up what I'm putting down. Magnesium glycinate is way better and way more tolerated by your tummy. The next supplement, zinc. Zinc sulfate supplementation has also been shown to have a positive impact on the metabolic effects of women who have PCOS. Zinc, when taken in combination with saw palmetto, has been shown to decrease testosterone levels, which can cause unwanted PCOS symptoms, such as that unwanted male pattern hair growth. Or Quick side note about the saw palmetto. The studies showing its effectiveness on decreasing androgens really aren't strong enough for me to recommend this supplementation on its own. But if anything changes, I'll let you know. For now, if you're going to do a salt palmetto, pair it with the zinc. Protein powders are also a supplement I like to recommend for many women that have PCOS. This is because eating protein at every meal and snack is really, really helpful for balancing blood sugars, and it also keeps us full longer, which can support any kind of weight loss goal you have. However, a lot of women struggle with getting high intakes of protein throughout the day, simply because protein foods aren't usually as convenient as high carb refined sugary foods are. So protein powders and natural protein bars are a really great option when you're on the go and you don't have access to a kitchen to cook a meal or you don't have a fridge to keep you know, a Greek yogurt or turkey or whatever it might be in there. However, it's important to know that all protein powders and bars are not created equal. You gotta be really careful about the quality. If you want to get some of the protein powders we recommend, we are putting an Amazon shop on our website. I will make sure to link a few of the ones that we recommend so you can just pick them up yourself and you don't have to worry about the quality of the protein powders. Now, Megan did write a really awesome blog on our website too. It's the RD, Registered Dietitian Approved Protein Bars. Simply go to orlandodietitian.com backslash blog and you can search protein bars. She went through and rated all of the best protein bars if you are following a vegan diet or if you tolerate animal products. So check those out. It is awesome. Now, if you know or think you have a dairy intolerance, make sure you avoid those protein powders that have whey or casein in them. You'll want to choose a high-quality vegan protein powder made from rice or pea protein. The next supplement I wanted to recommend is going to be a vitamin B12. Now, if you are taking metformin as a part of your PCOS treatment, consider a vitamin B12 supplement. Research and studies consistently prove a strong link between metformin and B12 deficiencies. Do not stop taking your medication without consulting your medical doctor, okay? Talk to him first. I'm not telling you to stop taking your medication. Just bring that up to him. Maybe get your B12 uh, checked. See if your levels are normal, and if not, supplements are a quick fix. The last supplement I really want to recommend is going to be N-acetylcysteine, which I'm gonna call NAC. (laughs) It's a big word, N-acetylcysteine. Does that make me sound smart? When compared with metformin, NAC has been shown to be an insulin sensitizing treatment for polycystic ovary syndrome. NAC and metformin also show really similar effects on improving irregular periods, decreasing BMI, your body mass index, and lowering androgens in the PCOS population specifically. Again, am I telling you to stop taking your medication? No, I'm telling you to bring this up with your doctor, especially if you want to go on something a little bit more natural. Okay, I lied. There's one more little supplement I want to recommend. It's very basic. 
and that is that women in their reproductive years can really benefit from a prenatal vitamin. Prenatal vitamins have a really high concentration of folic acid, iron, and calcium, which are all really important minerals that play a major role in a lot of metabolic functions that we don't really typically think about because they're not as glamorous. But if you are trying to get pregnant or you are in your reproductive years, why not supplement with a prenatal or multivitamin? It ain't gonna hurt you. Alrighty, gang. Well, that wraps up today's five nutrition tips for polycystic ovary syndrome. Now, I want to tell you something before you sign off, okay? If you are feeling overwhelmed and you maybe are taking notes right now thinking like, holy crap, there are so many things in my diet and lifestyle that I need to change ASAP, take a deep breath. Let's do it together. Ah, okay, deep breath. It's okay. You do not need to change a dozen things about your diet and lifestyle at once. Instead, I encourage you to pick one, yes, one thing to change and focus on it and make it a habit and make it part of your normal eating plan. So if you are hearing these nutrition tips and you're like, oh my God, my diet is full of processed refined carbohydrate snacks, say, okay, where can I eliminate some of these processed snacks and put in whole real foods that are full of fiber, protein, and healthy fats to help all of these different things to help control my blood glucose, to help control my insulin resistance and inflammation state, because that's gonna be one thing that impacts many things, all right? Pick something that kind of kills two or three birds with one stone, if you know what I mean. Don't feel like you need to completely throw out everything in your kitchen, write a whole new eating plan, change your lifestyle, because that's not going to last. I'll just be frank with you. Our brains want to focus on one thing at a time. Pick one thing, do it well, make it a part of who you are and how you live your life before you do the next thing. If you need help with this, this is what we do. This is what we help our clients do. This is how we help them stay accountable, stay consistent, and actually see results. So if you want that individualized coaching, again, you can work with me, you can work with Megan. Go to www.orlandodietitian/coaching. It's linked in the notes and we will get you started. But if you guys have any other thoughts or comments about this episode, I would love to know. Please shoot us a DM, email, however you can get a hold of us. We are on Instagram at nutrition.awareness. I also ask if you found value from this episode or if you know somebody else who really struggles with polycystic ovary syndrome or maybe you're in a Facebook group or online community with other women who have polycystic ovary syndrome, please share this podcast with them. It's really got a lot of valuable information. I put a lot of work and time into this podcast to make it very comprehensive for anybody who is struggling with their weight or their diet because of their PCOS. It would mean the world to me if you shared it with somebody else who needs it and it would really help them out as well. But I'm going to sign off for now. I can't wait to hear from you guys and enjoy your week. Thank you for listening. I hope this episode was helpful. For topic requests or to apply to be a featured guest, please email kate at orlandodietitian.com. Want more nutrition awareness? Check out our blog for recipes, nutrition tips and tricks, as well as product recommendations. Our website is www.orlandodietitian.com. Dietitian is spelled D-I-E-T-I-T-I-A-N. This has been Dietitian Kate, and until next time, keep it real and keep it healthy.